Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature an interesting, thought-provoking and clinically relevant conversation to enhance your speech pathology practice. Let's hear from this week's contributors. Hi, and welcome to Speak Up. My name is Nadia, and I'm joining you today from the lands of the Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung and Boonarong Boon Wurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation. Today, we are celebrating Gail Mulcair, SPA CEO, who is retiring at the end of April 2023. Gail has been SPA CEO since August of 2004. In today's episode, we have a series of interviews from SPA presidents, both past and present, to hear their reflections on their time working with Gail and her legacy within the association and the profession as a whole. We are now joined by Lindy McAllister. Lindy was president of the association from 2003 and 2004. And Lindy, you were president of the association when Gail was appointed as CEO. Is that right? That's right. So... As um, president and chair of the board, um, I was involved in developing the brief Mm -hmm. we wanted in a new CEO and we gave, um, when Gail was a successful applicant, we gave her a very clear mandate from the board um, around two things. Mm -hmm. One was we wanted um, her to implement the new IT platform that had been decided on so that we could begin to do much more effective online learning. <laughs> yeah, great. Or that begin to do it like we weren't yeah. before then. So that's been enormously successful when you think yeah. about it we are now um, with all of the CPD and activity that's mm-hmm. uh, delivered online and the interactions that we have, um, that's all been introduced under Gail's time as CEO. Um, The other big ticket item that was in her brief was to develop the outward-looking face of the association Mm. through uh, advocacy, lobbying, submissions to government, being represented on high-level committees and working parties of um, different government agencies and that's also been very successful. Our visibility as an, as an association in Australia is really quite high mm. now, and all of that has happened under Gail's leadership. So um, when I look at all of the submissions that the association has made in recent years, you know, we've got a voice at the table where decisions are now made about yeah. policy that affects people with communication and swallowing impairments and disorders. That's... That's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It is. So she's led that initiative really well Um, and I think has been recognised, you know, generally for her work as a CEO, but her ability to advocate and to lobby, I think, has been specifically recognised through external appointments and awards and that's really satisfying to see. Yeah, it makes you proud, doesn't it? Are there, uh, any, are there any other reflections of Gail or thoughts on her legacy with the association that you'd like to share? Yeah, um, I don't remember the exact numbers of members, but I've got a feeling that by the end of 2004, the membership in Australia was about 5,500. Wow. 
And when I look at the numbers now, which is it's three times that, mm. and I look at the numbers of staff at national office mm-hmm. and contractors and consultants and the activities, the huge portfolio of activity, no one could foresee that growth. Yeah. That Gail would have to provide the day-to-day leadership and management of. So the fact that she was able to um, do all of this raising the visibility work while at the same time growing the association and its activity and its staffing and manage all of that is really quite phenomenal. So, again, you know, a brilliant job done. Perfect. It's going to be so missed. She is going to be so missed. Well, on that note, we might leave it there. Thanks for your time today, Lindy. Thank you, Nadia. Bye. We are now joined by Trish Brad, who was Association President from 2005 to 2006. Thanks for being here, Trish. Thanks for having me, Nadia. I'd like to say I'm actually joining you today from Dural land in New South Wales, and I'm very pleased to be here. Great. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the key things that you and Gail collaborated together in your time as president? So I joined as the national president in 2005, as you've mm-hmm. said. So it was very early on in Gail's tenure as the mm-hmm chief executive officer she hadn't been in the role too long so Gail and I actually I guess joined um, at the leadership level for the association at the same time and in those times it was before the board it was uh, we operated as a council and Gail and I uh, would go and actually visit all the state branches and do strategic planning with them so Gail and I got to do a lot of travel together (laughs) we got to visit a lot of the um the different branches uh, all across Australia. It was a really fantastic opportunity for us to really understand how the different branches worked, what the specific concerns were for our smaller branches, for our more remote, you know, services, say, in Northern Territory, et cetera. But it was a really great time of of working out strategically Mm. where we thought the association needed to be way back then in 2005. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds like it would have been a very interesting point in time to kind of be thinking about those bigger picture things. And obviously, since that time, Gail's gone on to sit with quite a few other presidents. And and it's been a, interesting to kind of see how that's changed over time. Um, can you share some of your reflections of Gail's? Any thoughts that you have on her legacy with the association and the profession or anything, really? Look, I just think we have been so fortunate as an association yeah. to have Gail as our leader for so long. It's been an absolute privilege. It was an absolute privilege to work alongside her and to really get a close-up look at her leadership and her Mm -hmm. vision. The thing that has struck me about her in her quiet way, she is very focused uh, Mm -hmm. on delivering what has always been a passion for her, uh, which is advocacy, I think, for the profession and for speech pathology in general for the purposes Mm. of clients and and, um, consumers of speech pathology services. So I think, um, from my perspective, Gail will be known for her her commitment and I think her leadership of the association that has seen it grow from when I was branch president, uh, sorry, branch president onto national president, I think we had about three and a half thousand members and wow. it's certainly grown a lot from there. So under her her leadership and her vision um, and also how she's been able to pull in, I think, some very key and important areas of um Oh, for the association in areas like Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander reconciliation. Mm-hmm. I think the work we've done in uh, 
you know, advocacy for the profession at the, the kind of political level, uh, but also what she's done for members, which has always been at the heart of what, mm-hmm. you know, what, why she's here and what we are here to do as an association. Um, I think as a leader, she has added so much value and has had a really high degree of impact. And yeah. I think she can leave knowing um, that she's done a, a fantastic job over the time that she's been with us. Fabulous. Well, I think we might leave it there. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. We are now joined by Corrie Williams. Corrie was SPA Association President from 2007 until 2009. And Corrie, you've also worked at Speech Pathology Australia for quite a period of time as well. I have in various positions. It's been a really interesting time. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for being here today. My pleasure. I'm joining you today from the lands of the Bibbulmun Noongar people in the southwest of Western Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the key areas that you and Gail collaborated on in your time working together? Um, We've had a long, long time working together. (laughs) So um, some highlights of working with Gail in my time as national president included building on and finalising the mutual recognition agreement. Mm -hmm. That's a long time ago. (laughs) Um, Gail and I also represented the association at a number of international conferences, Um, always a great way to learn some more and to promote the really good work that Speech Pathology Australia does for the members. Mm. I came on board as a staff member some time ago now, first in the position of Senior Advisor Evidence-Based Practice and Research, mm-hmm. well, mostly mostly as Evidence-Based Practice and Research. Mm. But during that time, Gail invited me to do some work on the development of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Advisory Committee mm. and the formulation of our first two reconciliation action plans And I would say those two actions have been really important for the profession and for Mm. the association. Um, And it's been absolutely a privilege to work with Gail, who has championed both those things throughout the time that we've been working on them. Yeah, wonderful. Can you share some of your reflections of the time that Gail has been in leadership with SPA, some thoughts on her legacy or or anything else really? Oh, Gail has taken the association from a membership of something like four to 5,000 when I started as SPA president Mm -hmm. to where it is now with more than 13,000 members. And that just means that she's had to work Harder and harder (laughs) the whole time she's been president. And she does it with such a plomb, such efficiency and such a wide strategic view. It's really been a privilege to work with her. Um, One of the big changes Gail has steered during her time as CEO has been an increasing focus on Advocacy, I think, Mm. is the best way to say it. So introducing the position of manager policy and advocacy and making sure that the voice of the association and of our service users is heard wherever we can find an opening Mm. to make that happen. 
it's such an important thing as a profession that's that's relatively small, but also for the people that we serve as well to ensure that that's something that is at the forefront of, of everyone's mind. Absolutely, absolutely. And I guess the focus on service users is something that's become increasingly prominent mm. and certainly a really important thing to have happen. Wonderful. All right. Thanks, Corrie. Thanks for your time. Cool. All right. Thanks, Nadia. We are now joined by Deb Theodorus, who was Association President from 2013 to 2015. Thanks for being here, Deb. Hi. Thanks very much, Nadia. It's a pleasure uh, to be able to uh, to talk to you about Gail uh, and the legacy uh, that she has left uh, for Speech Pathology Australia. Um, and so I'm Deb Theodorus. I'm an Emeritus Professor of Speech Pathology at the University of Queensland here in Brisbane. Um, on the lands of the Yagara and Turrbal people. Um, so basically uh, with Gail, uh, I have worked with her over many years, really directly or indirectly, uh, whilst I was head of speech pathology at UQ, but then again, of course, more closely when I was national president uh, for a period of time. And, and I have to say that was probably one of the most uh, enjoyable periods of my career uh, in working with Gail uh, because of her extraordinary knowledge um, and uh, all it, her dedication to see her dedication um, to this profession and her exemplary um, leadership uh, that she showed us. Um, and of course, during the time of our presidency, of my presidency, um, we were involved in the very large Senate inquiry into the prevalence of communication disorders um, in children and adults across Australia. So the, uh, this was an enormous uh, project and in effect, Gail uh, was able to get a Senate inquiry initiated and that in itself is a, is a big Amazing. achievement. Yeah. Um, and then of course there was the getting that whole um, uh, compilation of the whole submission uh, and getting that together. Uh, was enormous uh, effort on part of Gail and and all of her staff, um, but but that was achieved and it was submitted, and this process I believe um, very much increased the profile of speech pathology uh, across Australia. Now, whilst the outcome, the government outcomes that we'd hoped for. Uh, weren't necessarily all achieved through this Senate inquiry. What it did do, though, is um, made in sort of Gail then orchestrated an enormous amount of lobbying uh, with federal and state ministers, um, heads of departments and, and portfolios um, across the country. And I joined her on a number of those uh, lobbying visits um, to the parliamentarians. And it was very impressive to see how she presented um, the association and the profession as a whole. Um, so she did an enormous amount of lobbying, she and myself and other members of the board, um, to highlight um, the importance of this particular Senate inquiry. So I think that was, in my period of time as National President, probably the, the major highlight of um, the work that Gail did at that particular point in time. But that's, you know, one small snippet of what she did <laughs> over the years. I mean, she has done so much. And I think, you know, the other big area has been uh, where she sort of collaborated with the National Alliance um, for Self-Regulating Health Professions mm. and worked in that one. And, and that was very important in developing the whole framework for accreditation 
for speech pathology and for other allied health professions. So that was a, a very, very important thing that she did. Um, so, and one of the, the important things that she did along the way, there are so many, but um, I think, you know, the Senate inquiry was, was a huge um, effort and extremely well um, orchestrated um, by Gail uh, through, throughout that period. But I think, you know, Gail also has done, of course, led the changes in the association from uh, competency-based standards to professional standards for the accreditation and all that that involved. Uh, and that's been a lot um, over those times. But I think really um, with Gail, I, she has done so much in uh, being a forward thinker uh, for the association, looking forward to what is the next thing, how does the association grow? And of course, um, in the last, you know, seven, eight years or so, the uh, association's membership has grown enormously. Um, and that's largely because of uh, the introduction of the National Disability Insurance Scheme and also the massive increase in the number of university programs that are now um, producing um, speech pathologists um, across the country. So I think this year we've, you know, got about 44 university programs, undergraduate master's mm -hmm. programs across the country. So that's that's very significant mm -hmm. and that increased enormously. And so for the association, that meant, of course, um, really having to provide a larger number of services uh, to the members um, and a larger variety of services additional training for the members uh, to uh, be able to get themselves set up for the NDIS, um, etc. So Gail led all of that um, uh, development within yep. the association and it's been, I think, has been a, a wonderful achievement um, for her in that way. Definitely. So I, I'm just, I'd just like to say um, that I think Gail has been a tremendous leader and she has such wonderful leadership qualities. Um, and very importantly, she is always a forward thinker, but she's also very open to innovation mm -hmm. um, and to change. And um, I, I always thought that was an a, a excellent attribute that she had um, as a CEO. Um, I also think she was in incredibly impressive in her ability to consume enormous amounts of information, <laughs> analyse it um, and, you know, summarise it for you and then act on it appropriately. So I think um, she had a, a fantastic mind in that way um, and I think her legacy to the association is significant. Fabulous. That sounds great. I think we'll leave it there. Thanks so much, Deb. We are now joined by Gaynor Dixon, who was SPA's president from 2015 to 2019. Thanks for being here, Gaynor. Thank you very much for having me. So I am speaking to you from Bianjin, which is Turobolanyagara land, um, and I will pay my respects to elders past, present, and for me, who works in education, particularly those emerging and those people who are in our schools who will become the elders of the future. Um, so let's start out with just talking a little bit about some of the key areas that you and Gail collaborated on in your time as president. There was a time of uh, great change while I was on the Speech Pathology Australia board. I was on the board from 2000 
2012 um, through to 2019, when I was the uh, president from 2015 to 2019. So apologies if I talk about things <laughs> that were happening prior to 2015. <laughs> I think that there's a few key things that um, really happened during the time uh, that I was doing that close work with Gail. The first that was an absolute game changer for the profession was, of course, the introduction of the NDIS. Mm-hmm. There was also the work that was um, that we were doing in terms of the future of the profession, where did we want the profession to go? So that's the Speech Pathology 2030 project, which is, seemed so far off at the time. <laughs> that was not so far off at all. Uh, so that real visionary um, blue sky thinking work in terms of uh, taking our future into our hands and looking at where we wanted to go and where we wanted to be and how we want the uh, profession to be positioned. And alongside all of that work, there was also the very exciting international work that was happening arising out of the International Communication Project, which uh, Chris um, started together with Gail. And uh, we, I continued following on from Deb. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gail took that to a place of presenting at the United Nations side event, mm-hmm. um, being present at the uh, COSP meeting mm-hmm. at the United Nations um, and um, working very closely together with and continuing to build and further develop our relationships with disabled persons organisations, which is really one of the key findings that came out of 2030 in terms of we were not just prepared about advocating for ourselves. We actually wanted to make sure that we were advocating with people with disability and Mm. walking alongside and being an ally. Mm. And the opportunity to go to COSP really deepened our understanding of what that looks like, what that might mean, and also really deepened those relationships. And I believe that that has continued, and I'm sure Tim may have spoken about that as part of um, his discussion about the things that Gail did. Um, So when we talk about the NDIS, I don't know how much people have talked about it already, (laughs) Um, but when we talked about the NDIS, initially we really didn't have a a sense of how that was going to look and what that was going to look like and whether that was going to have much of an impact. So what we we saw with Gail was this um, very agile strategic thinking in and watching of what was happening and really carefully positioning how might speech pathology respond, be represented, and make sure that we are um, able to be in a position to support people with communication disability in the best possible way. Mm. I think at the very beginning, we had no idea just how much it was going to change the profession from yeah. being mostly public service employees to being by far and um, by um, by a far majority private practice yeah. um, owners or um, employees, and that really has changed the nature of the profession. Uh, not in terms of what we do, but in terms of how we do it. How, the skill set that we need to have, mm-hmm. the sorts of supports that Speech Pathology Australia now need to offer because uh, this is the majority of our members as opposed to a smaller subset. So we were talking NDIS and how it's changed the face of the profession, how Gail 
um, very carefully developed uh, relationships, government relationships, relationships with disabled persons organisations and um, worked um, to change the nature of the sorts of supports and expand the nature of the supports that Speech Pathology Australia is providing to its members to respond to the changing face, uh, the changing nature of the work of the profession. And um, that required a great deal of um, deep thinking, foresight, um, and, and flexibility uh, as well like there's a sorry? lot of things and flexibility as well I yes, bet there's a lot of things absolutely. that would have needed to be changing very quickly and, and being adaptable in that way as well yes yeah yeah that yeah that that's absolutely right and I think um in some ways the NDIS I don't think the profession had changed as much as the changes walked by the NDIS at all certainly not in Gail's tenure as CEO but I, I can't see that having happened um, at all um, in the history of the profession that I, I've seen. So um, for Gail to lead that response um, um, so ably and to position us to where we are, and, and it's not perfect and it's not perfect for anyone, so <laughs> we're not pretending that it is, but um, for us to be positioned where we are um, really required an enormous amount of, of skill um, that Gail um, showed throughout that. Alongside that work then, we were also doing a whole lot of work in terms of where do we want to be? What do we want to be doing? Um, we had reached a point with many of our documents, that uh, many of our core documents that they required a review. And when we were looking at, at reviewing those documents, we were really thinking that the profession is changing and we really need to have a look at what actually where is the profession going and where did this profession want to go? Where do they think they need to go? And it's beyond a strategic plan. It wasn't just the next three to five years that we were looking at. It really was further than that. And so that's really how the 2030 uh, was project, um, what's ultimately been a, a written document that has then driven so much of the association's work since it's been um completed and obviously Gail as CEO um, led that project Chris Lyons yes. yes was was the was the the project leader the project manager um, but obviously in Gail's role um, she she had sort of the oversight the ultimate responsibility for that project um, and um, uh, working um, on that project being a, a part of of that um, as as the um, national president um, was um, an amazing opportunity to really think big picture and to really take on ideas that were, were new and different and allowed the profession to continue to develop and to flourish and to become more agile and respond to these changes. I mean, certainly when we did 2030, the thought of having um, a pandemic such as we had was something that um, we hadn't come across. We were doing in, in board meetings, we were certainly doing a little bit of scenario thinking where we were going, well, if this happened, how would we respond? What, what might the implications be? But actually pandemic wasn't one of them. Um, and so for the profession, for us to be able to continue that sort of work that we continue to do 
despite the pandemic and throughout the pandemic. And I'm sure Tim talked about the specific pandemic response that Gail um, uh, led. Um, but that work beforehand really prepared the profession and the association for that. And, and um, that leadership and, and visionary um, belief of, of Gail's really positioned us to remain strong throughout that. Um, the third piece of work that I was going to talk about was the cost. Um, it's the conference of state parties, and it was specifically around um, what those state parties are doing in relation to upholding their agreed um, uh, responsibilities in terms of upholding the rights of persons with disability. And at that um, conference, the state parties come and they say, this is what we're doing. Um, and civil society, so people who are not in government, have the opportunity to respond or to make comment, um, not directly respond to the comments that are made by the government, but to prepare and deliver um, information around um, ways of doing things really well or ways that governments may not be doing well and, and asking governments to do things a little bit better or much better in some cases um, in those particular areas. So, for example, um, the, with the Australian contingent, there was um, a, um, a, a man called Santiago who is blind, and he talked about high educational expectations for blind people, but also about um, the need to make sure that those people can become engineers because the lived experience means that you can make things more accessible. Um, and, um, and and that was his um, uh, speech to the to the conference of state parties was was around that. So um, with the international communication project, um, Gail worked closely with those other organisations, so ASHA and the Canadian Castlepa, um, as it was at the time. I think it might be SCOAC, um, the the British, um, the Royal College, the Irish, the New Zealanders. Uh, to um, to look at us attending that. And then she worked really closely with the Australian Government and Disabled Persons Organisations to get us an invitation to go, and not only get us an invitation to go, but actually to uh, get a signed event at that conference uh, to talk specifically around communication needs across the world. Um, and then she worked um, very hard with the I ICP members to develop that um, presentation to reflect across the world and not just those minority world countries that happen to be a member of the ICP, but to actually reflect what, what's also happening in majority world countries. Um, and that was an amazing opportunity for a worldwide audience um, and government, worldwide government audiences in terms of understanding the absolute fundamental nature of communication um, and the difficulties for people with communication disability in terms of accessing and participating in society. Um, so that was an amazing experience to be able to, to go and, um, and do that, uh, but also, again, demonstrated the visionary, strategic and careful leadership of Gail um, in um, making that happen for us. Thanks, Gaynor, that's great. I'm just wondering if you have any other thoughts around Gail's legacy within the association that you'd like to share at this stage as well. So 
some reflections I have of Gail in terms of her legacy within the association, and I think I've talked about those a little bit as, as I've gone through. Really, um, Gail has developed the association from a small member-driven group of speech pathologists um, who were doing a lot of voluntary activity and knocking on a lot of doors that were often still very closed um, to a very professional um, membership organisation that still values um, its grassroots membership and still attempts to reflect the, the needs and respond to the needs of the membership as, as demonstrated through the pandemic response, um, but actually has many doors open to it and has a profession, uh, has built the opportunity for the profession to be agile, to be open to the future um, such as whatever it may be, that the association is, is poised to lead us um, into that future uh, in good stead, I think. I think. I think we can say that we feel safe as speech pathologists with the association there. The relationships, the, the work that it's done um, going forward. Thanks so much for your time today, Gaynor. We are now joined by our current president. Um, thanks for being here, Tim. Thanks, Nadia. Thanks very much for inviting me. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your time working with Gail and some of your reflections and thoughts and anything anything you'd like, really? Yeah, absolutely. I should say, by the way, Nadia, that I'm joining you from my office that's sitting on Ghana lands, um, the amazing sort of lands and seas. And not too far away are all the wineries from here, but <laughs> I decided to not to indulge today. But um, thank you for this opportunity for us all to, to think about Gail and to, you know, um, celebrate her as she moves on to, you know, pastures green. Um, I'm really, really lucky in terms of being the last president to mm. um, work alongside Gail. Usually the relationship of a, a president and a CEO is that the president guides the CEO in strategic matters and fills them in. But, of course, by the time I arrive on the scene, Gail's been larger in charge for 14 and a half years. Yeah. Right? So she knows exactly what it is that, um, that she's doing. Um, I joined as president in May 2019, and Gail was massively, massively busy at that stage. Um, she was flying off to the United Nations, mm. to the Convention of State Parties on Disability, yeah. and um, I don't think I've ever seen her just so busy. In fact, it, it was at the time at the conference in Brisbane, and I, I didn't see her past the AGM because she was diligently working away in her hotel room on all of the stuff that actually kind of had to happen. Um, and that is Gail to a T, you know, like she just throws herself at things so incredibly well. Um, 
And so it, it was actually probably about a month before I actually got to see her come back from, from New York and really started to sort of talk with her. And, you know, 2019, the year of, you know, we're all going to do this. And I, I, <laughs> I recorded a podcast and it was like, it's so exciting. We're going to achieve this and this and this. But I'm, We were so young and innocent then, weren't we? <laughs> mainly we were all walking around. We were touching things, you know, like standing close to each other and all of that sort of good stuff that we didn't even know what we were missing out on. But actually... I actually, um, I started my presidency uh, and, you know, went to Asher and started building re- on relationships that Gail had already forged. And it was Gail's strategic initiative that managed to get me onto the board at IALP um, as well. And in March 2020, I went to Malta and then I came back and I, I, I rushed back and was doing this chair and chairing the board meeting. And at this stage, we're going, this COVID thing that's kind of going on at the moment, what should we what should we do with that? Um, and I'm being a bit frivolous because actually Gail is the ultimate in, in strategy. And I feel really, really lucky to have been the president who was around at the time that Gail was the CEO of a profession that was under crisis. Like everything, everything was under crisis, of course. But um, the thing, the thing that I think will surprise no one is that Gail is an incredibly strategic thinker. She already knew that um, it was in the wind that there would be a lockdown. We thought it was all ridiculous at the time, you know, like the idea of having to stay inside. Gail was smart enough to see this, and she worked alongside Liz, who was the manager of membership at the time. And she made sure that all of you like had yep. your laptops all set up and you had a good internet connection and you were ready to go. Um, and so you left the office on a Friday and over the weekend there was lockdown and all of you were at your desk at nine o'clock. Um, and there are a few things that are going on there. Um, the whole world was panicking about what it was that was going on. Gail had already foreseen this, had planned logistically what it was that was going on, but also had the culture and the respect around her to make an entire team of staff um, motivated and keep working. And she knows how to, A, get respect, B, have strategy, and C, bring people together. Mm. Now, I don't know. I can't wait to hear what the other presidents say, whether she developed that over time or whether she was always (laughs) like that. I'd like to think that Lindy McAllister says that, oh, she had absolutely no idea she was walking into the furniture. (laughs) And she's been on this massive kind of a journey. Um, But that is Gail to a T. And I think Mm -hmm. the things that members don't actually understand is that Gail prepares for every single scenario. So when COVID hit, we as a board were preparing for what happens if membership completely drops off because Mm -hmm. lots of people won't want to do telehealth. They may resign their membership. You know, what are we going to do around that sort of stuff? And and modelling what a slimmed down speech pathology Australia might look like as the worst case scenario. We had that, but we were also working at the time on what is it that the speech pathology profession actually needs. Mm -hmm. And Gail was working really, really smartly across that. You know, she was working out how branch chairs could be supported and didn't we see the branch chairs just rise to the fore with Zoom meetings and when people actually needed to gather their families around them, they had that, but then they also had their professional identity around them as well. What sort of training and development is going to be needed, particularly around telehealth, but around all areas, because now that we're inside, for our 
sanity. We wanted to develop ourselves professionally. And and that's what she did. You know, there was a huge range of, you know, she worked with Marie Brown, who was in education at that particular stage, to roll out lots and lots of professional development. And what we actually saw, although we prepared and were ready for the worst, what we actually saw was this um, proliferation of the membership. In fact, we had more people join um, when we were actually wondering whether perhaps the opposite would happen. And because of the association under Gail's leadership, because there were so many things that were happening, what sort of questions, you know, professions might ask, how do you react in this particular way? How do you advise your clients on vaccination policies? Like all of that sort of stuff. That proliferated out really, really quickly to the membership. And then... um, it actually was recognised worldwide. So we had like, you know, the Irish Music Therapist Association going, can we use that document? And, you know, and that's kind of to a team going, yes, go for it, you know, adapt it, you know, like this is what we found and this is what we've, this is what we've done. Uh, so uh, another thing that I think is really impressive about Gail is that she is actually always on. So one of the things that, uh, that we do every month is meet with the members of the International Communication Project. So that sparked off speak about Irish music therapy there's Ireland there's the UK the US Canada and New Zealand and Australia and of course we're always like waking up at five o'clock in the morning to sort of <laughs> engage in a, in a conversation Gail is always on and immaculate me I'm, I've got my hair absolutely everywhere and I don't really care what people but Gail's not only made she's she actually drives her and she's always very very passionate about stuff that she that she does and I think that that's not a surprise to the members no. you know um gail's devoted 18 and a half years of her life to this ceo position mm-hmm. she's moved it from three thousand members to 13 and a half thousand members you know there's very very few people in our association that remember a ceo before gail yeah you know, it's remarkable really mm-hmm. really remarkable and i just think yeah I, I just think gail approaches absolutely everything with this sparkling sense of humor um, yeah. amazing wit but she's also incredibly inclusive um, which I think is great the yeah. other thing I, I need to sort of reflect on is that she's inclusive like she embodies the she embodies the values that we she now that responsive inclusive but certainly proactive and tenacious as well you know like I, I join as president in 14 and a half years on but I can make changes like with the board itself and the governance and the structures and what we've done constitutionally to the association mm-hmm very short space of time has really been enabled by Gail really really she's very very open in terms of um new ideas and being responsive and, and moving forward so yeah I mean like I would like to count Gail as being a bit of a mate actually but I have a sneaking suspicion that she's mates with an awful lot of people <laughs> do you reckon yeah I do I do <laughs> Yeah, and uh, it's it's funny to talk about Gail without it sounding like it's some sort of grandiose thing, but there's no exaggeration about any of this. You know, that is Gail too, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. She's very down-to-earth, genuine, and and lives her values, and you have to wonder, are we describing Gail with these new values or is it that she's just so perfectly um, situated to be our leader as far as this goes? I think that's a... I think that's a damn good question, actually, because the values spring from the top of the association, which is Gail. Yeah. She is all of those things. She is responsive. She is inclusive. 
but she's certainly proactive and oh she might be all of three feet tall but she is tenacious as <laughs> oh dear that feels like a good place to leave it thank you so much for your time <laughs> yeah, before i start to get into insults about it as well <laughs> thank you for the opportunity though to chat a little bit about gail it's it's really nice to sort of reflect on you know what's actually happened recently as well yeah we wish her all the best definitely thank you We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Please be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast and share it with your colleagues. You can also visit us at speechpathologyaustralia.org.au. Thanks for listening and bye for now.